think that this would have started uh, just Alex and I having some beers and talking shop and then turn into this after four years. No way. No way. So thank you so much for everybody sticking around with us. Uh, getting through COVID and coming back to the in-person meeting is really cool. Um, so just kind of like lay of the land of where you guys are if you don't know. Obviously, everybody knows where the bar is. And restrooms are directly behind you back there to the right. Um, and then if you would, please just make sure that your phones are on mute and turned off because we all catch that one. Um, and then we'll uh, get it going here. Let Alex head it off. Cool. Y'all ready? Yeah. <laughs> And now, live from the streets of the 757, where real estate investing and beer collide, this is Opportunity! Any other nerds in the group out here? Want, want some information? All right. All right. I mean, Alex, by name, like am I a nerd too? Just by default. <laughs> We're here. This is um, Opportunity Investors. My name is Alex Winfield with Coastal Group Real Estate and uh, the Winfield Real Estate team. We've got our co-host, Maestro Sean Bowen with Full Circle Real Estate. And uh, joining us tonight from Old Dominion, we've got Jay Walker over here. Thank you, man, for joining us. Um, guys, this is four-year anniversary that we've been doing this group. So thank you guys for joining us for the four-year anniversary. Happy birthday opportunity. Yeah. All right. Very good. I totally just remember that I was going to do the Stevie Wonder happy birthday song. <laughs> Seriously. Um, okay, well, so we've done a lot of different things in this group. Um, who, who here is here for the first time? Awesome. Who, yeah. Yes, the dog is here for the first time. Who's been here for, who's been coming here for more than a year-ish or been involved? In two years. Anybody two years? Three years? Yeah. Anybody four years besides me and Sean? It was a, the first year was tough. The first yeah, year was, was tough. We had a lot of learning to do. Yeah. Um, Who are these guys? I did one beer. <laughs> I did one beer tasting thing. We did one beer tasting thing. There was like two people there. Yeah. But we got to drink somewhere. a lot of beer. They got to drink for free, so y'all missed out. Um, but yeah, so we've done we we've done a lot of different things. We've done flipping, wholesaling, house hacking, um, commercial deals, syndications. Uh, we've talked about hard money, uh, private money, uh, all different kinds of things. It's been, it's been pretty awesome. We brought in a lot of different experts. Local uh, experts. Local experts. Yeah. A lot of people who know what they're doing here and sharing it with us. A lot of people sharing more than they probably were planning to. And then they started drinking the beer. And, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. We're glad you guys can share this with us. And this is one of our favorite um, events of every year is having uh, Jay come in uh, and, and just share some information about what's happening in 
this area now and maybe some projections of what's come. I think I usually end up adding the projections. I think you stick to the facts and then we just start. Well, it's an economist up. thing. I'm, I'm vague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hint at things and then let you decide. That's, that's, that's works. Yeah. You just send me on a string line going off. Um, but yeah, so I do want to say some thanks to those four years. Um, Sean was our very first speaker and, uh, and became a host and, you know, their experiences and um, just their their knowledge with their us. Time. So thank you time. to everybody who's who's joined us and, and helped us out along the way. Sure. Uh, and then and then lastly you guys, everybody that's joined us in the last four years, uh, it's been a it's been a rotating group. We've got some cool people continue to come, but also with this area there's always been people in and out. Some people are joining us on the other side of the country, other side of the world. Um, and uh, just thank you guys for making what it is. And uh, just glad to to be here, to be live, and hopefully to still be alive. So thank you guys. Um, on that note, let's do as we do. Raise our glasses for a quick toast. Come on, Jay. <laughs> this isn't your first year. You know who you're um, may your castle be secure and your cup overflow. Yeah, so obviously you're talking to the group here, but we obviously have this online presence now that we're trying to really stay with and do as much as we can. So thank you so much for those that stuck with us through COVID and enjoy all the craziness that went down because that was probably the biggest shift that we've had. Since going in live, everybody realized that, right? You're in the Zoom world, you're in the virtual world, and it's just draining, right? It's just really tough to inside of. So I want to thank you so much for dealing with that and like dealing with all of our craziness that we dealt with with technology. <laughs> so thank you so much for sticking with us. But um, if you haven't been with us or you just found us, can everybody kind of like quick tell us where they found us? Meet up, Facebook, just like throw it out for your mind. I saw you outside the bar. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So those that don't know, Louisa and Roger are very, very big in the investment world. Uh, they've been around since I first started. Uh, I got a backstory for Roger helping me out of a really bad situation on a legal battle, and it was really helpful. So I always talk about that story. If anybody ever hears me, the gentleman with the black shirt and the shiny head, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but another example of sticking in the right rooms and needing to learn, right? Never, ever be the one that starts like eight thirty, right? Getting a different room. So thank you so much, Robert, for all that in the years, and thank you for being here. Um, funny is they're actually kind of doing looking over rehab, and I thought, oh yeah, it's kind of those like, oh you guys get your own bit? They're like, no, we're just here for something else. <laughs> so I'm really glad you guys stayed here. They are part of Trade, Popcorn Real Estate Investment Group. Anybody heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Really, really good group to get part of, guys. Um, I started there accidentally as a contractor, and I would not be where I was today if it wasn't for that room, guys. So please, please go check that out. TradeOVA.com. Um, otherwise, this group was started because Alex and I got together. We started talking shop, started talking some beer, having some beers, and you know how that goes, right? Like, just keep talking. Everybody in real estate is something. <laughs> right. Um, 
So he asked me to come in and talk about my rehabbing and experiences with new construction and stuff like that wholesale. So they would come do that and it just took off from there. So thank you so much for you guys sitting around and being here. Um, for those online, if you would uh, check us out. I know you're here on Opportunity, which is probably broadcasting on YouTube and some other places that we have. Actually, knows better about that than I do. Um, actually, can you see that? Um, I don't know if this is going to make a difference to people online, but we're having some issues. So go to YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube. Okay. Yeah. YouTube. So there you go. Technical yeah. Go to YouTube. Everything else seems to not want to work today. So go to YouTube. Um, but again, I just want to say thank you so much because this is not easy, right? To put this together, and so it might look like it's easy, it is a lot of work. And the people that help us in the background, from the team that is with us at Full Circle to Alex and his team from then till now, it is, it is a lot of work, right? And I just want to say thank you to them, but appreciate all the work that goes on to keep this going because. The one big thing that we realized was we just didn't want to go somewhere and somebody could constantly fix you some shit. They're always trying to sell you stuff, right? So we wanted to have local people talk about the business, share knowledge, and actually put it to work, right? That is what we have done really well this week, right? We did not bring these people in here um, to pitch sales or programs. If anything, we brought you CPAs, we brought you attorneys, we brought you what you need, right? So like. You have to have that. Anyway. I like that, man. We brought you what you need. Not what you feel like you want, but we brought what you need, right? So those connections, and everybody's already heard of the statement, right? Your network is your net worth. That is probably the best statement I've ever heard. So it doesn't matter where you start and where you go, you have to build your network, right? You have to have those connections. So I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. And sticking with us though, because it is not easy and it's a lot of work, and I enjoy it. So I really appreciate it. Um, but I'm going to shut up. And I want to get on to Jay and let him talk about this because, again, Alex said it. You're in a room full of nerds that love numbers, man. And I am digging. Let's, let's get into it. Let's hear about it. Let's talk about it. So, Jay, I appreciate you being here again this year and uh, see what you can happen. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Uh, my name is Jay. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, let me see if I can stand up and inject a little better. Uh, I'll, I'll admit it's been a year and a half since I've been in front of the class. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, we went online at ODU last year, so I'm used to like talking and like wanting to be the center of attention. It's the only child to me. <laughs> but it's been a while. So we'll see how well I do. Is your mic on? Um, I think it is. I did the button. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, there's some disconnect over here. Yeah, if you can. Thanks. Okay. Try to give us up, man. Is this better or not? No, I can't hear you at all. Mic's not broadcasting. Yeah, the mic isn't connected to a speaker in here. It's for the people that are online. Yeah. It gives you sense. Yeah, no, it did not really And so I think I should have some slides. If you guys, if, if it's already here, we've got a bunch of seats. Okay. Drafts, I'll admit. Okay, but it's on the way. I've been told. Uh, we'll go through just like local and national economic statistics and indicators. 
uh, I've had a really good time. This is my third year, I believe we figured out. Yeah. I, th I thought it was actually four, but I was not, no, three. There was the weird year where we were online. But it was still good. I had a good time. Yeah, no, it was yeah last year. Yeah, with classes as well, I'll admit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if cameras are off, people aren't paying attention. That's basically what I figured out. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to hearing what you all are seeing as well, just because the things that we'll see here are numbers. My guess is that you're out looking for properties, you're looking to buy things or sell things or rent, and oftentimes I'll learn more than what you'll just see on one of these slides. So stop me, ask a question, you know, talk among, amongst each other, go to the bathroom or get a beer if you need. We're all adults. It's, it's, I mean, I don't say that to, in class necessarily, but we're there. And so the basic roadmap, I'll just move some things around. I'll move around a bit. So the next slide, please. So I'll talk about pandemic and Hampton Roads, uh, talk about the recovery, sort of where we're at. Um, I have some specific information about hotels uh, and real estate. Uh, not, not the whole thing is about real estate, but things that I think you'll find important. Talk about the port, and I'll probably close up with a little bit about the casinos. Uh, if for some reason you're interested in any of this information, uh, you can just hop in CEAP, C-E-A-P-O-D-U, and all of these slides and then a lot more information is available online. And we can put that up on Facebook page as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, these are our nice donors. Uh, if they have a business, you should frequent it, please. <laughs> Legalese. Don't necessarily take the things I say to be true, unless it makes you money, and then please come find me and show me your appreciation. Uh, they don't represent the thank you, uh, the viewpoints of ODU, its president, uh, uh, Dr. Hempel, and/or other important people on campus. So now that we've got the legal stuff down, let's see COVID, and we'll have some basic information about infections. And so things are better than they were, but things are not back to normal. I don't know if some of you have seen this or not. Actually, I do have, even though I can't have a slide, I do have an, a laser pointer. And so I'll admit that I was a bit surprised about these numbers myself. Uh, I walk around like you. I go to Walmart, the mall. For the most part, I don't see people in masks. Things feel a lot more normal. Now, now that's not to say I don't want to be shaming anybody. <laughs> uh, but things feel mostly normal even though I know they aren't when I'm on campus I have to wear a mask and like things are still certainly different than they were two to three years ago and so I think you can see that when you're looking at disinfectants so rather we fit sort of like a second bunch since that early 2021 and so it is still going on and so slide please and hospitalizations other things that I wasn't necessarily in the node, we're, we're still this high. So we've had a second plateau here in the last few months, and so COVID is still serious business. Um, I'm assuming that you all are like me. You know people who've been affected by this, and we've all been affected in our daily lives. Hopefully, we will move past these things sooner than later. Uh, as you can see, vaccination rates. And so, again, this was not something that I see on a daily basis. I remember when I started looking at this, I hear on the news that it's higher. 
And then here in our, our local region, vaccination rates are still relatively low compared to what I heard the national numbers were. Virginia is around 54, Virginia Beach 52, Norfolk's like at 40%, right? Some places like Israel have 90% vaccination rate, right? So there's vast differences across spaces and across different areas. But this, to, to me, sort of signifies if we're looking for full vaccination, we're not very close. And almost sort of concerning when you start thinking about, like, individuals and, and I'm not sure, when you start talking about services industry, some of those places that have had staffing shortages, or what's happened in, in Southwest, since, which supposedly wasn't about vaccinations, but maybe was about vaccinations. If you really start hold, throwing out hard mandates, this could have big, big effects. Um, that, that, to me, when I saw it, I was like, oh, oh maybe I, I, I'm not, I didn't know the full picture sort of thing. And so those were the ones I just wanted to cover on COVID. So it, it seems like we've made some progress, but we're not out. Right? The vaccination rates continue to go up, but I don't know that you're going to have 100% uptake either. Right? The land of the free. Uh, and so recovery of relapse, or relapse, I apologize. And so to begin, you'll see a few slides that sort of take us up to COVID time, which would be, I think, February 20, more or less. And then you'll start, they'll have a series of slides that are like post-COVID. Uh, it does hide a little bit of the dramatic drop, but it's still dramatic. I'm sure that you all felt this, even though real estate wasn't, I mean, let, let's be honest, y'all have done pretty well. <laughs> without saying it <laughs> well i guess i did say it so i apologize uh civil labor force and employment and so hampton roads in general was a little bit slower in terms of recovery from 2008 recession than other metro areas like in the well really throughout the country uh, the story that you'll you'll often hear that i think of when i think hampton roads norfolk virginia beach so we rely a lot on defense spending and government spending here. And so recessions tend to be less bad, uh, but recovery seems tends to be less robust. We rebound slow. And so a lot of the things that you'll see will come off right here. So this is just employment numbers. And honestly, the total number of employed individuals, like we didn't actually hit that same number until like 2015, 2016, something like that. Uh, here in Hampton Road. It was six or seven years. And so clearly things have improved quite a bit. When you look at 852, 852,000 there, and you can see in civilian labor force, this is just the number of people between 16 and 64, and I can talk about, it's not as exciting as you'd think, Robert. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're back, and we still haven't dropped in terms of employment. Well, that's just pre-COVID. I'll leave it there. I apologize. So non-farm payrolls, so these are the people who are working. What a drop. All right, so this is 2008 recession, where we were coming into COVID with 800,000 or so people who were working in the metro area. And there are a lot of people that don't count in that. So like you can just think retirement age people plus, minors aren't going to show up on that. And so if you start thinking, it's like, well, hey, don't we have like a million something people here? That's why it's, it's less than that. Okay. Uh, so compared, you can see here U.S., Virginia, and Hampton Roads. Hampton Roads is here on the bottom. And so all starting in 2008, 
2008 recession. And this is some of that Hampton Roads thing, right? So we've grown slower than a lot of the other metro areas on the East Coast. Uh, or just in general in the United States, because you can see Virginia has grown more quickly. That's probably some of that effect of Northern Virginia, right? And some of the other growth areas. And in the U.S. in general, have grown more quickly. And so now we start COVID time. If y'all haven't seen these, this is like kind of pretty striking. I'll, I'll, let it, I'll let it sit there and get a drink for a second. And so in March 2020, this is before. Okay. So this would not reflect that. So this is just going to be the number of people who navigated the system and who obtained benefits. Correct? No, no, this is claims. I'm sorry. See, I'll, I'll get up here and get excited and I'll lie to you. Don't, don't let me do that. Don't let me do that. So this... Well, this seems like sort of a process issue that I'm not sure exactly how to respond to because I don't know if it's an initial claim that was successful or if it was an initial claim that was filed because I don't know that they would want to report the, the claims that were rejected. So without knowledge, I would say these are probably successful claims, but I have a card. If you're, I'll, you send me, send me an email. Ashley, if you send me an email, I'll, I'll respond. I'll look this up. I'll, I'll, I'm not trying to dodge it. Yeah. I mean, maybe don't come by my house or anything. But <laughs> my office, I actually have some tomorrow on Zoom if anyone would like to drop in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Next slide. So continued claims for unemployment insurance. And so here you can see clearly we had a big surge last early part of the last year. Uh, and even though we don't hear as many statements about it, clearly we still have a higher number with 11,500 that are continuing in the metro. Uh, do we have something from before? I mean, clearly this is like two and a half times the size of what it was pre-shutdown. And so things are better, but they're not quite the normal. Yes, Rob. Okay, so Rob was asking, is there, would this represent someone who might have filed multiple claims? And from my understanding, this would just be, the number would be the person. Again, I can put up my email if, and we can, I can find out for sure, but that's my understanding of how that comes through. Uh, I'm sure on the Bureau of Labor Statistics website, there's a very, it's under a footnote. It's, it's kind of dull, honestly. But, but when you want to know for sure, you can go look. They're good people. I've met some of the BLS people. <laughs> they are. If you've ever been to Union Station uh, in Washington, D.C., BLS is like the building next to it. That, that in a quarter won't get you a cup of coffee, but what the hell. <laughs> so, okay, so big fall off. And employment. We're still talking COVID times here. You can see clearly those jobs haven't completely come back. 
right? So we were at, in terms of employment, and so this is just number of jobs. We were at 852,000. We're now at 786. Coming into August, you can see civilian labor force. And so civilian labor force are the total people who are willing to work. They fit the bill, and that gap's going to be the unemployed. And so clearly that number has fallen off too. And this is a big question, in, like in the last month or two, there was some question about we had sort of like these extended benefits that were going on. Would those people re-enter the labor market? And some of the places that have been looking for position or looking for people to hire, would they fill? And at least from what I've heard, and if all of y'all are, if someone here is looking for positions, please tell me. I don't know if things have improved in that. Sean, Ashley? Okay, no, you weren't, you weren't waving at me. Yeah, no, easy going bunch, please. All good. Uh, okay, things are better, not fully back. From what I've gathered, I'm still not sure how good it is in terms of staffing. I think people are still having problems hiring people. And, and this is one thing when I saw. So don't let me go all tinfoil hat and stuff on people. But I thought about this in the last couple of weeks because I, I gave a talk somewhere and someone asked, like, I've heard there's continued problems in hiring. What do you think it is? Like these benefits have fallen off and it's in the news. And honestly, when I saw that one slide where it was like 50% vaccination rates, I wonder if some of that vaccine hesitancy might be making a difference. Like, are people concerned about, like, applying for jobs or getting work or that they might be forced to take the vaccine? This is conjecture to me, but it's just not something I've heard put forward. Uh, it's, you know, we, kinda, we all like to kind of guess and think, but, like, critically, it seemed like that could explain maybe some of it. I don't know if it's all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. I work in the defense industry. September 8th is the deadline. Oh, right. Really? And, and I do have a question. So we have a couple people here who said that, that they work defense-related industries. Same for you all? Right. And so, Centera is the same? Okay, I mean, at ODU, it's, I mean, it's required. <laughs> Sorry, bro. So, from my understanding, normally I have a slide. We didn't have one in here this, this year. From my understanding, approximately 60%, and I think, believe it's over half at least, but I think around 60% of GDP in the metro. So, just think us, Newport News, uh, Suffolk is... So not necessarily directly defend like government spending dollars, but it, you know, first wave and then like families live here, they get paid, they support jobs. But like 60% of local GDP is tied in some way to like defense spending, government spending in some way. Yeah, can't look into the future. We're reporting it for the movie. Dip in. Oh, I mean, okay. So, so Brody, yes, 
Brody has asked, could we see a, a, a dip, like a dip in December based on what we see here? Like yeah. people perhaps being forced out of the labor force. Because they don't want to take that vaccine. Because they don't want to take the, the, the exam. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's possible. I mean, again, I'm probably reading the same headlines you are, but I saw on, I mean, so it's, it, but to even say it because it wasn't CNN, I mean, I check Drudge, it's fast, all the headlines are there. That doesn't mean that I'm an R or a D, it's just, it's quick. And, and there was a story at the top. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They they perhaps feel strongly about. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for that matter, I mean, in, but I'm not sure in your workplaces about how it goes with with medical or religious exemptions. Um, the, the, the headline that I was referring to today that I saw was the potential of perhaps pushing that. Who knows how much of that's true? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So this is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, women do play a big part in... Um... Patricia? Okay, and Patricia said, don't forget about females playing a role in this as well. I totally agree. Um, I know that child care was a big issue, especially last year when there was no in-person classes, no in-person schooling. And my assumption is with a lot of people still working at home, perhaps, you've got some weird things going on. Uh, with labor market issues. And I'm assuming that you all are, have seen some of that, at least in real estate, maybe folks coming down here from DC, uh, maybe even New York City. I mean, I know that's been going on in Florida. Uh, I spent some of last summer in Florida because it was open. It was nice. <laughs> we, we, I'd go places. Uh, and I'm assuming that some people decided to stay once they got there, if they have the ability to work remotely. That's my feeling. So why not slide? Yes. So where we're at in headline unemployment rate. So this is U3. This is the one that you hear about on the news, but this doesn't necessarily capture people who stopped looking for work. And so that's been a question of late. Like some of these people, when you saw that labor force that had fallen, uh, those people who just aren't looking for work aren't counted as unemployed anymore. So. Clearly, we're higher than we were in January 20. At a peak, we're down around 4.6%. And historically, 4.6% has been seen as very good. This is like the natural rate of unemployment. But I think things are still just weird, honestly, in terms of people haven't necessarily been getting back into the labor market for some reason. You've got weird job churn. You've got people who are walking away from jobs for, for these vaccination issues. Uh, you know, personally, things feel feel better, but they don't seem totally normal. I'm supposed to talk about numbers, right? I mean, shit, I don't know. I'm in the street the same as y'all. <laughs> things seem better, but they don't seem quite, quite normal. I don't know how to explain it. David. So, yes. So, people, so this is this will be a little David, or excuse me, this will be a little dated. But David, you're not. So I was, I was trying to say both at the same time. 
And uh, so people like Kramer from Seinfeld, he's not counted as unemployed. Because Kramer in Seinfeld never looks for a job. But he clearly is old enough to have a job. But it's, this is one of those weird things about how unemployment work. Unless you're looking, you're not counted. And so they're like Santa Claus, David. They just know. <laughs> no, uh, no, not exactly. There, there is a survey that goes out to 50,000 people. Does anyone want to tell me about how many people there are in the United States? Is it, it's more than 50,000 people at the least, yes. Uh, 340 million more or less. Uh, labor force is around 160, 170 million, something like that. And so they send out a survey and then they guess. It's an educated guess, and people are getting paid a lot of money to do it, but the guess. Yeah, and so, right, it's just like GDP. It's a guess. <laughs> but yeah, but, but they're working hard to get there. And they're nice people. Remember, I've met them. This is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Don't go telling anybody in Washington, D.C. No, no, of course not. Old Dominion University is a fine place to work. <laughs> I know, I know I'm live. I'm trying to work across. You know, and honestly, this is all just one big interview, right? People can look at this. If they ever want to give me a job and see. Uh, oh, oh, my. I shouldn't have talked about that vaccine stuff then, right? I thought that joke would work better. I'm sorry. So if, if you're someone who's, who thinks that people who aren't perhaps looking for work should be incorporated. Uh, there is a different unemployment rate. I'm assuming that this is U6 is what it's called. U3 is the headline number. Um, and this incorporates that. So normally the gap between the headline number, the one that you'll hear about on CNN, and this measure are closer. And when I see that much of a gap between the two, that's some of those people that just, they're not looking for work, right? Absolutely, 4.6%. Because those people, uh, I've, I've never, I've applied for unemployment before. I did not receive it. Uh, when they call and ask you if you're looking for work, what are you supposed to tell them, David? So you are actively working, Laura. <laughs> you're actively looking for work. I know the answer, they stop your checks. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm actively looking for work, so you are actively in that unemployment rate. Yeah. Some people tend to find jobs as last week or two. <laughs> At least my friends did. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, change in non-farm payrolls. What a drop. Right, so this is post-2008. So it took a long time. Oh, no, no. Yeah, post-2008. Right, so here's job growth. 70,000. I'm sorry? So... It's actually just as simple as that. People who don't work on farms, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so honestly, you know, I don't know if I've ever been told or heard exactly why they don't include farms, but, you know, there's a big secular move from farm employment, right? So like 100, 150 years ago, like over half the people in the United States worked on farms. And so it's steadily trended down. It's like 2% of the population now. 
And so my assumption is it has something to do with that. Like it might sort of add some turbulence to the numbers, but just assume it's as simple as yeah, non-farm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on. Now, if you claim to have a farm on a tax form, I have no idea how that works. Uh, my uncle does, and of course, it's all above. You know, if, if they, he gets audited, I'm sure that he could get by with it. But you don't know that he's really got a farm. <laughs> he just he claims he has a farm. <laughs> yes, Patricia. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So when we're talking about seeing all this imports from all of these other places, the issue now is China is also coming on to the farm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so Patricia Patricia expressed concern talking about supply chains uh, and goods moving internationally. Laura as well. Uh, I mean I've probably read some of the same stories you have. I I am interested to see what happens. Coming into the winter, I've heard about bare shelves, probably the same that you have. Uh, the same stories about ships floating off California that they can't get unloaded. Uh, to me, when I hear that on the West Coast, JP, got the Port of Virginia here. It's running. <laughs> they, they do have to float it through the, the canal, I guess. But to me, if you're, if you're having problems in California, it seems like that in the long run has to be good for us. And then potentially for some of these things to move back to the U.S. I, I am so like three, five years, maybe some of the manufacturing that got moved overseas, people want to have a shorter supply chain. Uh, how big of a deal is this going to be for us? And that's where I just, I, I don't know. Some of, some of the professors, my friends in supply chain could probably be better at telling this. But I did, I've been interested in that to see how, how much of an effect, can we actually reshore some of that productive capability or where does the food come? Good question. So where were those jobs lost? Right. So here we've got August 19, August 21, the last two years. So this is post-COVID. You can see basically a big part, leisure and hospitality. This isn't a big surprise in terms of where the, the largest losses were. Uh, when you see some of the numbers about hotel stays, things were really bad here for a while. But they're, they're pretty good now. Things have gotten a lot better in the last few months. Uh, a lot of that local travel, I think, has helped us. Uh, and us being close to some of those big eastern population centers. Uh, you can see education and health services down. My feeling is maybe some temporary layoffs in terms of assistance at schools. Uh, some of these people might be pre-K. I was trying to think in my mind, what's some answers here for some things that might have shut down in the, the near term? Patricia, like people are keeping their kids at home. Those jobs aren't perhaps there, what, what were uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those would probably count as well. Yeah, some of the other support staff. Um, education and health services, local government. And so this is one thing that will happen in recessions when you have downturns in revenues locally. So the Federal Reserve can borrow, but oftentimes state level, local level, 
they have to run a balanced budget. And when tax revenues go down, folks get laid off. This is where this is where Bob McNabb is better. He's the budget guy. I'm telling you, he's the one who does this stuff. But from what I understand, I mean, I, there are municipal like debt issuances, but I believe at least on the state level, right, we're supposed to run a balanced budget. And so you can't have like these structural things. And so often there are layoffs. Uh, big gains, transport, utilities, mining, logging. I mean, construction. And I'm assuming some of y'all have seen, there's a lot of activity in rehabs. Yes, I can't see your name from here. Oh, Carol. Carol Lee, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a question about lowering payroll, and, and I'll, I'll add it and say it in a different way. I'm thinking in like economist way. My guess is there's probably been some shift away from using labor to using capital. So like ordering kiosks, uh, automated cookers, uh, some of these things that would have been slower to come. This is what we worry about with the minimum wage. Like when it goes up, People are, you're going to just have to push the button on the screen instead of talk to someone to order somewhere, right? And so I would assume that this is going to in, like speed along some of that secular trend, long-term trend. Absolutely. Federal uh, government, good? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, how am I on time? Have I talked very long? Okay. Well, I'm, I mean, I don't know. If, if, if it gets too late, y'all feel free to. I won't be like, no, no, don't leave. Or anything. If you got somewhere to be, I'm trying to be interesting. It's still economics, though. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so here's an index. Basically, this is showing some of that same stuff with employment. The idea was 100. The left is where we started pre-COVID. And essentially, Hampton Roads, we haven't come back as much as either Virginia or the United States. So we're just slower in the, the, the reclaiming of the, the pre-COVID jobs, essentially is what that means. Which is sort of in line with how recessions have gone in the past. We often don't fall as much, but we're slower to come back. Maybe for different reasons, but that's the way this looks. Uh, so th these are, because this is an index, so we would, yeah, I'd have to think about exactly how to express that in terms of 2.2 percentage points. What well, we've got, no, we can't use those in numbers. You have to think of these in percentages. And so my guess is a few thousand people is what we're talking about. 10 to 15, 10 to 20 in a metro this size would be the difference between 94 and 96. So some. Not massive. Good. All right. Rising budgets, increasing threats. So here's, here's Alex. Prognosticator things. 
so I don't think this is a big secret for us here. And, and, and I, I know I've talked about this the last two times I've talked in front of y'all, too. The, the, my long-term concerns for Hampton Roads. Yes, Brody. Oh, prognosticator. Oh, I think they use it in The Wizard of Oz. No, 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 no. I was trying to think. It's a movie reference. It's from Groundhog Day. When they pull out the thing, it's like the prognosticator of prognosticators. It's Punxsutawney Phil. It's someone who it's like it's someone who sees the future. I'm going to talk about what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. It just makes me it makes me feel smart, right? I got to use some long words. That's what happens on at college. I need to use big words to impress my other nerd friends. I don't know. <laughs> so near term, this is good. This is good for us. So a lot of money that enters uh, the local economy comes from defense spending, at least through 2025, four years in the future, we're expected to go up, right? So this is base budget. Uh, where are we at now? Probably like 700, 710 in terms of billions, 785. So that's 10% increase. That's good. Some, some portion of that will come to us. Slides? Direct spending in Hampton Roads. There we go. So 4%, 25.2 to 26, right? Something like that. More increases. Less than the defense budgets anticipated to go up, but still anticipated to increase. And so if you've ever seen, and I don't think I have them here, like local GDP numbers and then defense spending numbers post-2008, the local economy is like, very correlated with it. We had like a decade where it was just sort of like, eh, middling. <laughs> Not much happened. And then we had a couple good years and like all of a sudden, our 2008 recession ended. <laughs> it was just slow to happen. I mean, that's that impact of that federal spending. And so short term, relatively good, right? So we're anticipating increases into the near future. I'm sorry, you can go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm all over the place, let's be honest. So. So here's the threats part, right? So everyone has probably at least seen some of these numbers before in terms of the deficits in the national debt. So we continue as a national government. I mean, it's not my decision, Brody, but they didn't ask me. I'm just a local economist guy at ODU. I mean, personally, I try to spend less than what I make. It seems like a good rule. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but on the national level, we have continued not to do that. So I will say this, at least relative to last year, we haven't spent as much more than what came in in taxes. But it's still a lot. Uh, if you've ever, and like there's this thing I talk about, in under, like I give this, like this big scare thing for undergraduates and classes. If you've ever looked up like millions, billions, and trillions of seconds, trillions is just so unfathomable for us. So like a million seconds. So if you were to spend a dollar a second, Laura, dollar a second, but you think one, two, that would take 31 days, give or take. And I saw it on the internet, so it's got to be true. Uh, if you were to spend a billion dollars, a set, one dollar a second, 31 years. If you were to spend a trillion dollars, one dollar a second at a time, 31,688 years. No. And we're at 2.7 of those <laughs> for the year. More than what came in in taxes. 
That's how much got borrowed. And so that's where I think that second thing, I mean, it's just a lot of money. And yeah, I mean, it's not just that, but like I'm sitting in a room with real estate investors. People who work full time. Like I'm looking at a bunch of taxpayers. <laughs> I know who's going to have to pay this off, Michael. Come on. <laughs> It's y'all and me, but I'm a state employee. How does that work if we're state or federal employees? I don't know. That's weird. In the long term, it's true. <laughs> Sorry. So this is sort of the rhyme or the reason, right? So we've got these budget deficits. We've got these debts. Defense spending in Hampton Roads looks good near to middle term, right? We've got a regular churn of people coming through the, the, the bases. We've got folks who want to move here. Uh, of course, we've got tourism and stuff in Virginia Beach. I think there are reasons why people want to come, but still a lot of stuff is based on defense. At least for the next four to five years, looks good. There's always like this concern of BRAC, base closures, but no one's really talked about that in a while. Uh, weapons and personnel costs are going, going up faster than budgets are. What's the future of warfare? <laughs> Is it big, slow things that float around and have four to 5,000 people on them? I, I don't know. Like, so this is not, to, and, and by the way, I'm not a defense guy. I, my, my main stuff is like education. I do research on this. This is Professor McNabb's thing. Seems like it's drones and, you know, like these, these high-tech weaponry. Okay. Right. And, and so some of this stuff might be going on at Langley. I don't know. That's not too far up the road, but like Norfolk's bread and butter has not. It's a lot of ship rehab and maintenance, from my understanding. And those carriers, I mean, we can just talk about the theater moving from the, the Atlantic. If for some reason we're really more going to say, and you know, I'm worried about this going on the Internet, too. Suddenly we're going to we're going to defend Taiwan in the event of something like this. So we move a carrier from Norfolk to South Southern California. Okay, so you're talking about the folks that would be associated with the defense area here, industry here. So in terms of raises, Rob, are you going to tell me we get cost of living adjustments? <laughs> I'm... Right. All right. Okay, so so Rob's talking about his housing allowance and special pay. As, as far as I know, those are tied to the infl estimated inflation rate, and that's been estimated to be higher. And so hopefully those cost of living adjustments should reflect inflation. Now, whether they do or not, we can argue about over beers. Luckily, we're all here. We can argue about it. <laughs> No, it doesn't make sense. It's just like it's like you have to look at the sun when it's out. I don't know why. You just have to look at it. Are we good?
Okay. All right. And Robert, will you refine to something you cared about? And then. Okay. So I don't know that a lot of this will be a big surprise, but things, it's been a good year. Uh, maybe not necessarily if you're looking to buy, but if you were holding and looking to sell, or in general terms of housing prices, things have been going up. Drum roll, please. So number of existing residential homes sold were higher than the last two years. Uh, was there a dip? Did we see much? So 2020 is the green. So yeah, that March, April, May, when things kind of shut down and went below prior year. But like that looks, it looks strong to me. But Cass, this is stuff you've probably already seen. You, houses move. Right, Alex? Houses move. Yeah. The days on market, they are. And, and we'll see that. There, there'll be a slide with it on there. Next, please. Median price of existing residential homes. We're higher. So this is in thousands of dollars. For the metro, we're up to $283,000. All right, this is higher in 2019, higher than 2020. So across all. Next, inventory of homes. And so I did talk to a couple, three people coming in. And so things are tight, but things are maybe lingering a little bit longer than what they have been. Kevin, does it sound like what? It sounds right. I mean, it's not like it's the death knell. Real estate still seems pretty hot, but it's not moving quite as fast. So is this interest rates creeping up? Or is this, is Robert, is harder to get mortgages? Or? Three It's the same stuff that's going on. In a while. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Right. I like that. I like that. Yeah, so local, Robert works at a local mortgage company. He said new companies still about the same. Older companies or older houses that, did I say company, older houses that might need some rehab a little bit longer, but they're still moving. It's sort of the idea that you've seen. Anyone else want to throw in what y'all seen? JP, Laura? Okay. Yeah, it's not summer anymore, right? People like to move when it's, not quite time for students to start. 
you figure this out. No, I may not be able to. <laughs> okay, estimated months of supply of existing homes. So, like, boy, I, I mean, I wanted to actually act like this was like a bad thing. It crept up, but shit, but shit, this is still like lower than last year, like a lot lower than last year. I didn't know. So 2021, where are we at? To September, so year over year, we'd be at 0.94. It's like 1.31 months existing homes. So it's. <laughs> I mean, I did ask, but but so like Alex, you said that distressed is not a word you're really hearing about, right? Yeah, there's still no foreclosures, really. Yeah, people have equity now. Absolutely. Yeah, how are you going to get underwater if the price is steadily moving up? Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, making a difference. I mean, I still get worried, Lord. Let me know if you get tired of me talking to you. Then I'll stop. Okay. But, but like, I see some of these, like, you can get a seven-year note on some of these new vehicles. And, and that's the kind of stuff, like personal debt continues to creep up, right? And I get to worry, start worrying about like people getting overextended, I guess. And if interest rates crept up a little bit, one, you know, 100 basis point, 1%, 2%, is that going to make those monthly payments enough where they can't afford? And that's like, I don't know. Is there a tipping point? Is there not? I mean, to me in the next year or two, it still seems like things are pretty good, but... Oh the, oh, the adjustable rates. Yeah. That's true. Right, where you really start to see that big punch. Yeah. Thing of it being high. Oh, oh man! I know this is what four point eight eight percent still. I know. Yeah, it's weird. We've gotten used to these lower rates, but like historically, early eight. <laughs> Everybody's got cash to pay their closing costs. I hear this. <laughs> this is this is a great question, right? So, but 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 again, so like I don't want to. So on on some level, we all do this, right? We're all we we all do these things where we stereotype. So like, who is going to be those people who are marginal on? On buying, right? Is it going to be first-time buyers? Is it going to be people that perhaps are in service or hospitality industries that are going to be moving into homes? Are they the ones that are going to drive the market in any situation? No, I don't know. Yeah. Right. So some of those entry-level programs for home buyers were more difficult. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. There's always hope. I mean, it's still supposed to be the American dream, right? Hopefully it's not gotten priced out. I don't know. You see it again. So like the same articles I read, like it's weird because when you see the percentage increases, which is in the next, I don't know, it may not be next slide, but it's got to be close, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, the one y'all are really worried about, like part of the price increases year over year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in in the the price of rentals is strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, relatively speaking, where are you where are you where are you really spending your money? That's true. Yeah, but again, where's and that's what, what makes me wonder about selling property. Like, where are you going to put the money? Like, what looks better than real estate for the long term? That looks. I mean, we just had, again, Alex, if you were thinking, like, if stocks are going to go up, like, where are you going to have more, more upside potential? All-time highs or all-time lows? Like, to, was it yesterday was an all-time high on the stock market? And I was like... How much more upside potential do you have on an all-time high? And that's not to say, I mean, shit, I thought there might be a correction three years ago. I mean, luckily, y'all didn't invest with me. <laughs> yeah, who knows what would have happened? But, like, to me, it's like all-time highs makes me a little iffy on, like, how much more will go up. Hey, I don't know. Uh, well, do you have a tinfoil hat, Alex? Because I've heard, like, hard liquor and gunpowder. Like, they vote. that could be a place to hold value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this sounds like something that you, yeah, if you really like cut out quotes from this, I'm going to look bad. <laughs> like, put your money in gunpowder and liquor. Like, people aren't working because of vaccines. I'm... <laughs> yes, 10 years from now. <laughs> I'll come across. So here you go. Uh, the last year. Woo. I mean, just sort of scan the numbers on the far right to, to see across the metro area. So this is median sale price, existing residential homes. Because the next one's different. I had to think about what was different about it when I went through the slides here lately. So everything except for Virginia Beach, over a 10% increase. But Virginia Beach basically has the highest value. And so a smaller percentage increase isn't necessarily as a big surprise, right? A 4% increase is a bigger number on 5 million than a 4% increase off $10, which is 40 cents. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm from the, like the Ozark Mountains in Northern Arkansas. I can tell you, you can buy a nice house there. Even though prices have gone up, you, you take three or $400,000, you can have a nice place on the lake or on a creek, cell service may not be the best, but you know, we all make sacrifices. <laughs> uh, so mortgage rates crept back up a little bit, right? Perhaps not all-time lows or historic lows, but they're still pretty low. Um, I don't think that there's any slides that specifically talk about inflation, but if you're concerned about what 
mortgage rates might do over the near to medium term. This, I think it was 5.4% was the last one that the CPI came in. So at what point will that inflation rate be concerning enough for the Federal Reserve to try to nudge up interest rates? Because banks, banks are just cost plus, right? Whatever that base interest rate is, they just mark up from there. And so you might expect to see some increasing interest rates for mortgages as well. Well, by, by definition, inflation just means the dollars are worth less. So that's just the domestic measure. Now, relative to other currencies, it's according to what inflation is. It, it's good to be the best. Well, never mind. That's really negative, what I was about to say. <laughs> I was going to say, is it good to be the best looking horse on the way to the glue factory? <laughs> which, which is a very bad, that's a very dated example. But I always liked it. it so I'm not saying that we're all going to die or anything, but... It, So I might get a job this, no, it's not that good, Robert. I'm not getting any stand-up comedian jobs, but I'm, I'm at least trying to make it interesting. Uh, yeah, because you make glue from horses, and even the bad-looking horse still gets killed. That's the idea, if you've never heard it. No, I do think on some level the dollar being the reserve currency has been good for the United States and for the dollar. Right? When there are times of uncertainty, a lot of people have moved from competing currencies into the dollar. Um, you can see at the margins where perhaps this has gotten eroded, and I think that more transactions are happening in Chinese yuan, uh, like Russia and, well, Russia, China, and Iran, I think, came to an agreement. So, like, generally speaking, at the margins, fewer transactions are happening in dollars. And in the long run, that perhaps isn't as bullet, but, like, this is 30 years, right? So, like, that's a harder thing, and this is certainly not my area, but... Yes, dollar being reserve currency is good. The fact that oil is bought and sold in dollars on most exchanges is good. Good for us. Yeah. I've rambled all over the place, Ashley. Observe rent index. Here you are, Robert. Yes, rents are up. <laughs> uh, and not just sort of up. So we have 2014 to 2017. So this would mean since 2014, 35% on average. Rents have gone up in the past seven years. Here in Hampton Roads, they've gone up 27%. But notice in the last year, that's a big increase. That's like a 10% on average increase in terms of rent. So this could pull some people out of the rental market, perhaps even to buy if they're having problems. Uh, yes, slide. Hotels rebound. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think this is a great question. So, so Chase is asking what the relationship is between a lot of other macroeconomic variables like interest rates, rents, and then home prices, and then other things. I hate to just totally punt on you, <laughs> uh, because this is not necessarily my 
my area of expertise, but to me, when I see that much pressure on rents, I think that there's just been inflation broadly in the macro economy, right? So we're running to like 5% recently. And there has been greater price changes in specific parts. I mean, specifically housing. Uh, I think a lot of non-active investors in like the stock market still view housing as a place to park money. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't disagree with that. Yeah. So, fifteen to eighteen. Right. So, in fifteen to eighteen, we did have an increase in interest rates from the Fed uh, coming into COVID when they dropped them again. So, that might be at least on the short term an idea of what could happen. I agree with that. And Alex. I didn't get the hook, but I'm getting close. <laughs> I got 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what's really important of this. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Sort of the idea, and I'm not sure how many people are actually really interested in hotels. There are a couple things on Airbnbs, which are probably good if you'll flip through. Uh, So, yeah, I think this is a that's a that's a it's a good topic, and I bet that there are people who are interested. So monthly hotel revenue. So one of the things to sort of take so top twenty five markets in the U.S. and I can talk about this Hampton Roads. We've generally done better locally than a lot of other markets have in terms of hotel, and I think that's some of that local people driving. Here in Virginia, we're relatively open. Even Washington D.C. got some good friends that live there. There's still some stuff you can't do, and a lot of those things are federal, so it's easy to just come down the shore. And I think some of the, the local, not staycations necessarily, but people who can drive now instead of getting on a plane, this is good for us. And that's what you'll see in a lot of these numbers with uh, hotels. So let's go on a little bit. Hotels, everything's down. So this is something to note. I think Airbnb revenue is a percent of hotel revenue in the Hampton Roads area. Notice it really dropped out. So Airbnb had grown significantly. It still wasn't like a big chunk. It had gotten up to percent of hotel revenue, 33%, which is weird to me because I always look on Airbnb first when I go places. But it has dropped out significantly. Uh, my assumption is here, full homestays. Where would you feel more safe in terms of if you were traveling? And so if you stayed in a full home, perhaps, and around other people, 
and then hotel revenues just sort of fell out of the bottom. And so we're back to where we started. For the most part, it's still a little bit less than what it was two to three years ago. Uh, Airbnb revenue. So notice this is by submarket or by share. I just wanted to point out Virginia Beach, right? Airbnbs are popular in Virginia Beach. People like that full homestay. That's basically the, like, in terms of the, the percentage. I'm sorry. That's 2019. That's still 2019. So that's not, so it's not good. Like, you got to kind of sneak in and get, that's a bad thing to say on the internet here where it's being documented. So one of the people associated with the Dragas Center, um, there's a source for data. It's online. You, you do have to pay for it. And so there's a lag in getting the Airbnb data. And so that's why it's 29. Um, and here you can see total place. Like that to me says something, right? So private rooms. There was a little bit of a drop off recently. So this is probably less exciting with 10 minutes to go. Uh -huh. Yeah, housing prices have done well. There's a lot of text here, but we actually already talked through almost all of this. I think that will be almost it for these slides, right? So why don't we slide down, and there'll be a couple on the on the casinos. Almost, apprentice school, cash bail, a winning bet. And how about just go, I think, to the last one. It's got some text on it. Okay. So casinos are coming, right? I'm, I'm not just making this up. We're getting the one in Norfolk. It's official. Yeah. And then we're getting one in Portsmouth. So the big question for us as economists is, so Brody, would you have just gone to the Tides game? Or now will you, instead of going to the Tides game, just go to the casino and camp? I don't know. Can people afford to do both? So this is some of the question. <laughs> That's true, that's true. I mean, I perhaps have had a good night at a gambling establishment before, but you don't always win. They stay open for a reason, right? Uh, how much will displace? And so how much will people just not go to other events in the metro and they'll go to gamble? Or will we be able to attract people from outside of Hampton Roads to come here and spend money? And so according to that assumption of how many people come from outside makes a big difference in the impact on these. So for Norfolk, relative to Virginia Beach, this is probably good. For Portsmouth, relative to Virginia Beach, this is probably good. Because some of the dollars that might have been spent on the oceanfront will probably go to that town. Yeah. Hey, the beer garden is a fine place to go. I like the beer garden. You should go. I like German food. Uh, but in terms, <laughs> right. so essentially the bottom line number is like that last line. But the thing to, to take home is, based on your estimate, these casinos might add 0.3%, 0.5%. And this is the Dragas Center estimate. So it's not going to be huge. 
in terms of GDP for Hampton Roads. That's not to say that it might not move some from Virginia Beach to Norfolk, but this is not going to be a panacea. And that doesn't even say, well, what if Richmond gets the casino that they talked about? Because that might make something different. Right, so it'll create some jobs. There'll be some stuff going on in those specific parts of town. Uh, it may not be Atlantic City. Although I've heard Atlantic City is not doing as well in recent years. Neither is Tunica, Mississippi, if you've ever been there. It is, the last few years have been tough in Tunica. So I think that's pretty much it for the ones. The next one will be like, hey, there's some stuff coming up. And so did I get, I think I got in under time if anyone has questions or anything like that. That was sort of like the, the last take up. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> so I would think that perhaps there's more of an organized, well, this is odd. There might be more of an organized lobby against it because perhaps, perhaps, perhaps religious groups have specific concerns or this is coming from, I'm originally from a dry county in Arkansas. Uh, I know. That good, huh? Whenever the vote comes up for us to go wet, the liquor store in the county over makes sure and support the dry measure. And so maybe there, maybe Atlantic City is supporting. You know, where are these dollars coming from? You have some, you have invested interests that might not want to see that. And I'm not sure that the people would be as vocal that would be for. And maybe that's just me. This is the way I would think about it. Zero point. Three to zero point five percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't want to use. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say, but like something in the water brought in a lot of folks from outside of Hampton Roads. That, and no, that's a, sh that's a shame. Like we haven't had it. Yeah. Again, recently. But, but again, so like that seemed to me, because like from what I gathered, a lot of folks weren't just from here. Like that was a lot of outside dollars. But like on a Tuesday, who's going to go gamble in Norfolk? Maybe people from Norfolk or from nearby. And so that's not those dollars coming from outside. And that's not to say anything of the societal problems that might come from this. Because, you know, there's addiction issues and drinking. Hey, that's right. It'll be right there convenient. Hey, guys, let's wrap it up real quick. And then we're going to get some beers. We want to come back and answer questions or chat it out. So we're way at that 9 o'clock mark, and they shut down at 10. Right? So we want to give you guys enough time to hang out, network, have a beer, talk. Um, I want to thank Jay for coming back. Oh. Oh.